0: What's up everyone, welcome to episode 10 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by noise.co.uk. I'm your host, slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and I'm joined by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Sam, how are we? I'm very well, man, I'm delighted to be back here again. It's bank holiday Monday, the sun is shining, it is midday as we record this, and it's a wonderful time for me to be off work, I'd usually be in work right now, and this is so much better, I've got to say.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, I would currently be teaching... um Middle set year sevens, how to write sentences, and yeah. I, I'm happy to let their sentence skills diminish for today.
0: Yeah, if someone fancies matching my salary to do this. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, If you'd like Absolutely. to pay me thousands and thousands of pounds <laughs> to do a podcast that we're <laughs> going to put on YouTube. Then, cool, man, I'll do that.
1: Honestly, they'd be wonderful. Like my my day started at quarter past eleven, uh, and that that is That's that is nice, a world that it? is a world. It's a world that I just want to live in forever speaking of
0: speaking of youtube actually uh this podcast depending on my ability to follow instructions from our very good friend and digital expert paul uh, should actually be available on all <laughs> platforms so hopefully Episode ten of the Noise podcast will be on YouTube, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Audio Boom, and Spotify. But again, you're trusting me to follow instructions there, and as Sam will tell you through years of years of best friendship. Uh, it's not easy for me to do that, so we shall see. <laughs> you can leave that mantle on me. Oh, good lord. Noise.bigcartel.com for your merch. £15.50, you're getting a t-shirt and a beanie. Free, free. Come on, man, what are you doing? We'll get that shit in. On today's show, we're going to run through the news. And then we're going to go through Sam's album list of the 100 greatest metal albums of all time. We're going to do 88 through to 85, which is going to be very interesting. We've got album reviews coming from Danny Walsnop's uh, blues album, Shades of Blue, and Employed to Serve's new album, internal Forward, uh, internal, Eternal Forward Motion. Very interesting. They're two very, very disparate <laughs> genres. But I am very curious to see what Sam's thinking of that. Because literally, uh, we haven't actually spoke about any of the, either of them. Like, no. when we usually review an album... I oh, usually send you like a message like, oh man, you know, give me a round of an idea on what you're thinking. But literally nothing for these two. So I have absolutely no idea what you're thinking. That'll be very, very interesting.
1: Yes, I can't wait to share some of these thoughts.
0: Usually this podcast is released every two weeks, but it has been a month since we last did one. Uh, that is because uh, we got back from New York and we had some scheduling difficulties. You were very mm. busy. I was very busy. Uh, you had to make up for the week that you had off with other things and so did I. Indeed. So, so it was difficult to, to merge our timescales together but that won't be a problem now and going forward we're going to be back on the two weekly show or we'll do an episode, a one-off if a big album comes out that we want to review just wanted to give a, a quick insight into New York, uh, best time you've ever had because it fucking certainly was for me
1: <laughs> yeah honestly it's the, it's the greatest city I've ever been involved uh, been inside it was just uh, marvellous I've been raving about it to people for, for weeks I'm probably going to do so until I'm about 37
0: yeah man like I really treasure when someone comes and I see them that I haven't already spoken to barely. So I think I get to just relive it all over again from the the hotel, which is awesome, to WrestleMania, which is probably the best thing I've ever done. Uh, the, yes. Knick, the Knicks game, Brooklyn Bridge, Empire State Building. Um, man, if anyone's listening to this and you know New York is something that you think oh would be kind of cool because New York's not on everyone's bucket list. But no. I, I, I really think it should be. Un- unless you, like, hate travel and you hate busy cities, New York should be on your bucket this man. It is a, an amazing, amazing place that um, I really can't compare to anything ever.
1: No, no, I completely, I completely agree. Um, I was still, still finding myself amazed talking about it. And, and the one thing that clings to me is that everything's a landmark everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And you could walk from one place to another, meaning to go for all the major tourist stuff, and then on the way, bump into... Uh, a plethora of just culturally significant city areas and buildings and places. And just, it's just, it's just a marvelous city that is um, well worth four or five days of anybody's time. It's just something that you, that you have to see. I think it's, it's the epicenter of Western civilization. It just is.
0: And that's one of the best things about what we did. Yeah. We like, we walked everywhere.
1: So
0: by walking everywhere, we saw, so much of the city that we just wouldn't have seen if we were getting taxis or getting the bus and that it was just fucking incredible man i, I cannot recommend it enough uh best thing totally i've done agree. best thing i've done and um the, by far the best two thousand pound i've ever spent oh yeah but by by, by
1: by all means mate it's a trip of a lifetime
0: now you sam went to see avengers end game on saturday Yes, I, w- I went on the Friday after it came out, so I'm just going to let people know. If you haven't seen Endgame yet, we're about to spoil basically the whole film because I wanted to do a quick little review with Sam. So, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to give skip you th- ahead five I'm going to give you three seconds now to skip ahead five or ten minutes. Three, two, one. Sam, when fucking Captain America says Avengers Assemble and they were all standing behind <laughs> him, I was as hard as stone. <laughs> Honestly, I I thought it was one of the fucking greatest things I've ever seen in an action film, man. Um, But chat to me, man, because, again, I've got no idea what you were thinking. Your thoughts on the film?
1: Um, It's the perfect Marvel film. Um, I think the way that it wrapped up this 22-film journey was honestly perfect. Um, Now, whereas... I usually tend to like the DC uh, films in terms of like their darkness, but I felt that one of the reasons that uh, this Avengers film was so so incredible to me is that it, it delved into real deaths and real moments of sadness and weakness and vulnerability that just have not really been a major part of, of Marvel films. Like you saw, um, you saw like real heroic characters. Um, sort of feeling like real vulnerability and going through struggles and and going through um, the hardships of grief and stuff rather than just appearing like invincible all of the time, Um, which is what I found shocking about um, Infinity War in the sense that me and you had that conversation after Infinity War, like, I don't know how they're going to get out of this after they've spent three hours making Thanos look as invincible as possible, and they fucking tear, tear his head off in 20 minutes.
0: <laughs> and yeah. I, was like, I didn't oh, see that coming at all. I didn't see that coming at all. Real. I was I was literally like that meme with the the, the,
1: the, the meerkat with its hands out <laughs> yeah. in yeah. the cinema just staring out like, what the hell just happened? This is a madness. Um, And that's that's the genius of, of the Marvel films is the fact that we've had a year and a half to speculate on theories and ideas and plot twists and changes and variations to characters and memes and all the rest of it and Ant-Man going up with Thanos' arsehole and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and Marvel, of within 25 minutes, managed to still subvert every expectation, which is astounding. Um, I thought it was, it was the perfect blockbuster film. Um, for what has been the perfect superhero franchise, because it, it's just it's brilliant. It's just been brilliantly written and brilliantly brought together to the point where it's actually incredibly enjoyable for the average fan as well as the incredibly focused fan. Absolutely. Like, like I went with I went with my girlfriend and she she's just watched the main ones like she's just watched Thor Ragnarok, the Avengers um, the Avengers list. And like a couple of ones here and there, she's not like focusing everyone. And I've watched a bit more than her, but I haven't watched every single of the twenty two either. Me neither. I haven't watched every single one. But uh, and, and I enjoyed it incredibly, and she enjoyed it incredibly, and she was rooting for the same narratives, and she was speculating and the same sort of thing, and it grabbed her just as much as it grabbed me. And I think that's that's an incredible skill. And I also liked the the, the characters that they chose to to die. Yeah,
0: it was it was um, the right ones
1: it was the right ones i think the the idea that you have iron man closing the chapter on the one that he opened is beautiful symmetry absolutely um but also i think black widow a character that has been so often associated with weakness and vulnerability and like the the assassins being called black widow and you've got that all those connotations of like poison and and death and, and 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 sort of 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 almost like like, like betrayal and traitorism almost from that like secretive sort of sort of name for her to act as the most one of the most heroic characters at the end was like a lovely twist, I think as well. And the one with Captain America where they tied that up and they they, they just saw the wedding ring on his hand as he hugged his wife. Uh, he hugged his mate at the end and passed it off to passed off the shield to Sam. And all just honestly like it was everything. It was like it tied all the knots, but not in a way that felt cheesy. Um, the plot got brought together beautifully. And like and like you said, there, it just also had its own collection of moments where you're just like incredibly, incredibly invested. Where they all start coming through the portals.
0: Yeah, when Doctor Strange brings everyone back.
1: Yeah, it just... Absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I think... Um, I, I think... I think... W- after it's it's up there with with any not just any um marvel series or any superhero series i think that you you can put this this particular avengers is it qua- is it a quadrilogy this one is yeah, the, the fourth, fourth. Aven- the fourth, yeah, the fourth yeah. avengers film so you can put this quadrilogy with any other four-part um movie or <clears throat> excuse me um any other three part and above movie this 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 could go up there with lord of the rings with godfather with the dark knight trilogy yeah with toy story yeah absolutely uh, with, uh, with star wars uh, with, and this is the most culturally impactful film since the harry potter theory uh, since the harry potter series I oh think. yeah oh yeah uh, in terms of the way that it captures just everybody's conversations everybody's um, imagination that that anybody and everybody is talking about this and seeing this. And when it first came out in 2009, uh, when, when they cast Chris Hemsworth and stuff, and there are articles like Marvel have gone private or secretive and with their casting, is this going to work and all this sort of stuff, rather than going for the like George Clooney type male figures. Yeah. Um. The, the transformation that it's made over the last decade is, is marvellous and... I was just thinking to myself when it all when it all closed in that I hope Stanley got to see it before he died. I hope he got to see the whole thing because he deserves to see that because it's just it's an incredible feat. Yeah, of 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 like a superhero franchise and that that's my monologue, man. I thought it was I thought it was incredible.
0: I remember saying to you when we left, I went to see Infinity War with you and Martin yes. and, 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 a, and a few other of us. And I remember saying to you, like that was the best superhero film I've ever seen. And me and you both said, as you alluded to. But they've made Thanos seem so invincible that it's almost impossible for them for, for them to find a way to kill him without me thinking, well, that sucks. Uh, because you made him seem invincible for the last two and a half hours. And I said to you, that my biggest fear was that they were going to come in, it was going to be like three weeks after Thanos had clicked his fingers, there was barely any, there was half civilization left and some scientist would burst through the door and say, oh, didn't you know you could do this? And, they, yeah. and they're like, oh, fucking great, we'll go and do that, yeah, we're going to kill him. I, oh, that was my biggest fear. And they absolutely diverted completely in the other direction to that, which is awesome. And I, I was really relieved. <clears throat> and I thought, the, the yeah. first air and a half of the film, uh, I've heard some, some criticism from some people being like, the first air and a half is too slow, they put too much emphasis on... On the the idea of, oh, we lost, it sucks. I actually completely disagree. I thought the 90 minutes of story building was fucking superb. And it's you know, it's really easy to make me care about Iron Man because it's fucking cool that Iron Man is Iron Man. But they actually got me invested in Tony Stark for three hours. You know, I watched that and I was watching Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark instead of Iron Man. And I've never, I've never, ever been able to say that about an, uh, an Avengers film or Iron Man film. I've always watched Iron Man films because it's cool to watch a guy in a suit that can fly around and fuck shit up. But in, yeah. in in Avengers Endgame, I was, I was into Tony Stark. And I thought that how they piece together um, the part where his wife uh, said to him, like, when he, when he finds it, oh, shit, i I found the way to do the time travel. And she's like, he's like, I could bury this at the bottom of the ocean and forget it, baby, And she said, you'll never rest, though. And then as he's dying, she puts his hand on his chest and says, "You can rest now." I was yeah, like, "What a no. fucking, what a perfect bit of symbolism to, to yeah. end the film on." It was perfect that <laughs> Iron Man died. I thought his his relationship with Spider Man was amazing, and the way that when he went, when the second Captain Marvel drops the ship back to the ground, the first thing he says is like, "I lost the kid." When for when Spider-Man dies in, in yeah. Infinity War. And then when he comes back and they have that moment together and when Tony Stark's dying, Spider-Man's like, Mr. Stark, please stay. And yeah. it, I, I just thought it was fucking fantastic. The, the moment where Captain America summons uh, Thor's hammer, which is also known as Mjolnir, yeah. I thought that was the fucking greatest thing. And I, I thought the best thing about it wasn't the fact that Captain America summoned it, but the fact that it cuts then to Thor who's like, oh, I knew he, and it's like, he, he said I knew it, not in the sense of like, happy I knew it. a kind of like, 50% disappointment, and 50% happiness, he's like, yeah. oh man, I, I knew he'd be able to do it as well, and I, I just thought, for three hours, they had me fully fucking invested, in a sense. film, that it would have been so easy, to just lose me on, because, at the end of the day, I've seen, not, not just Marvel films, like, how many superhero films have I seen? Probably over 30. I've seen over 30 films of superheroes beating each other up. So it'd be really easy for me to find it boring. Because if you are seeing The Green Lantern, it fucking sucks.
1: <laughs> do, you <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah.
0: easy to fuck a superhero film up because just action isn't enough. It needs to have something else, unless you're Jack Holloway watching Transformers 3. It needs to have something more than just the action. And that hour and a half that they build up to, that final fight scene, is superb. And the final fight scene is probably the best fight scene I've seen in any film. Not just superhero. I mean, like, any film fight or action scene, I think that scene trumps it. So much goes on, so much cool shit, so much, you know, I, I thought when Thanos was smashing down on Captain America's shield, I was like, he's going to fucking kill Captain America, this is where Captain America dies. Um, the film had me guessing, had me uh, fucking emotionally invested, holy shit, like yes. from the get-go. I, I, I thought Ant-Man's inclusion was perfect, I watched Ant-Man and the Wasp on the way back from New York, so that was really fresh in my mind. I really liked... um the, the emphasis they gave on him. If I had to choose something that I'm not sure whether whether I liked, I do feel like they ran out of ideas with Hulk. Yeah, is that why they gave him glasses and made yeah. him like this
1: weird, quirky little hipster character?
0: Yeah, I feel like at this point they're like, oh man, we don't really know what to do. They, know, they we, explained
1: we... that quickly, didn't they, as well? Yeah. Look, he's, he, every film has been, oh, Hulk can't control
0: his anger, this is going to be the thing that makes or breaks us. And then he's like, oh yeah, I figured it out, everything's cool now. Yeah! He's like, oh yeah, I'll just stay angry now, oh, but I'm still, I'm still managed to keep calm as well. Yeah, like, there's probably someone, well there definitely would be someone who pays a lot of attention to the comics that would be able to explain that to me, but I, I don't read the comics, I've never read the comics, not because, you know, not because I th- I, I, think that I shouldn't, just because it's never something that I've been, really been interested in reading comics. Um, but So, I'm, I'm sure there, there is a reason for that, Um, but uh, holy shit man as a film i thought it was fucking incredible i, I do prefer infinity war by a hair's length and the reason okay. the reason for that is because i don't read the comics i'm watching infinity war and towards the end i'm thinking and now in a minute they'll 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 all come together and they'll fight they'll end up beating on thanos they'll just something'll happen and it and that it didn't happen at all and thanos like, fully won and that shock and awe completely hit me from left to center i had no yes. idea that was coming so that that Initial shock, I would just say that Infinity War is slightly better. But if I'm ranking superhero films, I'm putting The Dark Knight first, Infinity War second and Endgame third. That was absolutely fucking fantastic and a a fantastic achievement for the Russo brothers to finish off this incredible universe and still have me asking questions, right? Because yes, Thor's in, Thor is, as you, I would assume going to be in guardians of galaxy three. Now I'm excited for that. I like star Lord and Thor's interactions together. It's funny. It's enjoyable. A question now, I've got no doubt it's the end for, obviously it's the end for Iron Man, but for Hulk, Captain America, and obviously, Thor's me and Guardians of the Galaxy, but that Avengers system has never been put to bed, I would assume. And I'm excited now where they go with Spider-Man because I love Spider-Man. But, uh, Tom Holland is the perfect Peter Parker. Uh, I completely agree. He's inge- that is an ingenious casting. He is amazing. I, I feel sorry for whoever may have to be Peter Parker after him. It cannot. He won't be able to be followed. He embodies that character so much. There's. I've got questions for what's come, and I'm more than satisfied for what's been. Unbelievable film. I I
1: completely agree. I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's just to 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 manage to match match up to some um some of these expectations is just an incredible feat that not many not many films have ever ever had to deal with before and ever managed to surpass. So just that alone, I think he's just superb. it 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 is it's just it's just it's just incredible. It is just incredible. It's a five star film.
0: I'm very glad you enjoyed it. I really uh, did. Likewise. Uh, like, to be honest, I think you've got to really go out your way to not enjoy this film. I've seen some people say, oh, it sucks. It's this, it's that. Okay, the, the cool, man. Like, obviously everyone's got their, their own likes and their tastes and stuff, but I think you'd have to try pretty hard to not like this film. I mean, fucking Captain America summons Thor's hammer for fuck's sake. That makes it at least six out of 10 just by that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that, without, yeah. the, without the fucking two hours and 59 minutes before that. Oh, well, sorry, around that. Um, yeah, amazing fucking film. Really glad you enjoyed it. Likewise. That was nice, wasn't it? It was. It was. Movie review on the noise podcast. There you go. Where else are you going to get that kind of shit? <laughs> so this is actually a music podcast, though. So we'll crack on with some of the news. There hasn't been a lot of news, I've got to say, that's gone on in the past couple of weeks. So I've, I've tried to keep it more recent, though. Uh, did you hear that Deep Purple's accountant got jailed? No. So, basically, uh, you know, the, this just, I put a smile on my face, not t- the happiness of him being in jail, but, like, uh, the story, <laughs> the story. Okay. So, his name was uh, Dipak Rao, and, basically, he, like, funneled, like, £2.4 million from Deep Purple's, like, one of Deep Purple's, like, companies. The the company was called Deep Purple Overseas Limited and HEC Enterprises. And he was basically transferring the money into his own account. But, you know, what I thought, I was like, how much fucking money must Deep Purple have for it to be, for them to not really notice or for it not to really come to light until £2.4 million of it has gone? (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If you took twenty-four quid off of me, I'd be like, mate, where's my twenty-four quid? <laughs> like two point four million pounds of Deep Purple's money's he got that fuck me, man. Those guys must be so I mean, obviously because they've been around since the 70s, they were massive in the 70s and 80s. But those guys must be so fucking boring for them to not really pick up on it until 2.4 million pounds of it's just disappeared. It's crazy. Um there's not a lot to go in... there's not a lot to go into, yeah. The guy has rightfully been jailed. Um, Deep Purple uh, put a statement saying like it was uh, it was it's devastating for the band that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting to bring up fucking two point four million. The 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 point more than anything else is how much fucking money must Deep Purple get from their royalties? Unbelievable, isn't it?
1: Um, fucking hell, two point four million just taken out. And that's uh... have you noticed like it's rents a bit more expensive this
0: month, guys? <laughs> anything? Like, really weird. My card got declined at the country club. I, I don't really know what's <laughs> happening. I, better I, was the accountant. Say, I was about to spend £2.3 million in there. <laughs> yeah. The guy got jailed for six years and four months. Um. Yeah, so, the, you know, looks like I say, not much much else to go into there. But the, the point coming out of it, deep purple, the fucking balling, who knew?
1: Yeah, shocking, shocking,
0: fucking hell. Need a new accountant as well. What's that job pay? I wonder. Yeah, uh, I'm curious uh, because if this motherfucker can steal 2.4 million pound, surely part of the interview process would be I'm not a thief, and could, <laughs> I could, I could, I've got that one. I've got that one nailed down. So maybe, <laughs> fucking knows. Did oh, you know? Here's
1: the situation: there is 2.4 million sitting in a bank account. Do you, I take it?
0: B <laughs> take it. See, no comments. <laughs> Superb. Um, Did you know that Sepultura have been banned from playing in Lebanon? Yeah, I saw this. Uh, Devil worshippers, were they called? Basically like when they they found out the actual reasons why they were refused entry into the country. Uh, Insulting Christianity Christianity, that -hmm. the band members are devil worshippers, that they held a concert in Israel and that they filmed a video clip supporting Israel. Uh, so, basically, CIPA2 we were about to play, we were scheduled to play a shaman by route, uh at the palace. And as they got into the country, they were like, you're not allowed in. And it took them, a, a, you know, a long time to get to the root course. And, and that was, you know, that basically was it. Um, They've issued a lengthy, a, a lengthy statement to the, you know, to deny the claims and that kind of stuff. But w- w- the basically the coolest thing was they've said to try and compensate everyone who like us are frustrated with what happened. We'd like to invite you to watch the live broadcast of our, our upcoming Dubai concert on May second in honor of all Sepultura and Lebanese fans who couldn't watch us in person. So it's that gig has been and gone. But I thought that was really cool for Sepultura to think. Right, we can't, we're not going to get into the country this way. Really, they could have said, yes, yeah, sorry, your governments are assholes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I agree. Just nice with to it. Do. So, yeah, the, the stream that show, which is um, which was nice of them. Did you listen to their last album, Machine Messiah? I feel like we, we did review it, didn't we, on, yeah, on did. Check. It was all right. Yeah, it, we felt like it got a bit old in the tooth, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the, a, bit,
1: and, a, bit, a bit slow at
0: times. Uh, I, I the,
1: the reason I quite like these stories, I like in 2019, people are still a little bit scared of metal. Yeah,
0: yeah, I there's a, guess there's a, that's a, there's a part there. of me that
1: enjoys that a little bit, like... It's been, it's been like 25 years since Dipa Gore tried to tried to ban heavy metal and all that sort of stuff. And um, we ended up with the parental advisory stickers and all that sort of thing. But um, I like that someone somewhere still thinks that because people listen to a breakdown, they're more likely to overthrow the government. When there are lots of reasons in Lebanon to be angry at the government that have nothing to do with Sepultura. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> um, but whatever, man. Like, to be fair, though, I will say Sepultura. Like, obviously, it's shit that you weren't led to the gig. But... Um, if you're gonna go to areas like Lebanon or Palestine or any sort of areas in that, um, be careful um, what flags you fly up because if you're gonna put up a flag of Israel, then I, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, why would you be? You can't be surprised. overly. Yeah. But they, I just for the politi- I, they, I'm saying this just for the political stuff. Like the the devil worshiper stuff. I think he's just he's just salad on the burger. I think they're just throwing that in. I think it really comes down to the fact that a, a band that's openly supported Israel. Wouldn't be invited into a Beirut palace. I just think it's just as simple as that. Um, but <clears throat> but that that being said, bands should be allowed to, to to share their political views and and play wherever they want and, and you know like free country and all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, there are, there are some countries around the world that you just know going in that there are that there are not they are not welcoming towards you. It's like like in countries like Qatar, which is going to host the World Cup in 2022, despite the fact that you um you can be killed for being gay. Um, now, I would love every guy person I ever went to feel comfortable enough to be able to enjoy a World Cup in a, in a United Arab Emirates country, but I wouldn't be suggesting to people that they should go Yeah. because I don't want their hands chopped off. Like, do you know what I mean? So it, it, in the same sense, I, I feel, I feel, I feel like the element of realism has to kick in. Um, if you're playing at a royal palace in Lebanon and you've, you've held an Israeli flag up, don't be surprised if someone stops you at the airport. But at the same time, there are lots of issues in Lebanon that are going on at the moment, and heavy metal censorship is way down on that list as well.
0: It, it, it's strange because they, they kind of seem to be denying that they ever did it, but like I, I, I can't see evidence for. Yeah, that's or not the issue
1: that. to take here. Yeah, I
0: know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: that's that, That's like that's not. Like, yeah, it, it seems. It seems really. It seems odd that they've taken that tack. They should be. They should be like laughing this off. Really? Yeah. Saying the idea that this is even a discussion, even if we were, why can't we play at your show? You've got fans here that pay tickets and you've set up a gig up. Do you know what I mean? Like, if this was an issue, why didn't you tell us when we were setting the gig up rather than Absolutely, waiting for yeah. us coming to the airport? Stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? There's a, there's a much more practical argument to be made rather than the lead singer of a metal band going, no, actually, we're um we're all like, pathological Christians. Sorry, we're, <laughs> we're pescatarians, really. Do you know what I mean? It just seems yeah. like a strange argument to make. But, but you know, it's, it's an odd one. Um, yeah, it's it's it's, 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 done, it's done the right thing. And I think, I think it's a strange situation overall. But I, I still do like them. The metal intimidates a few people as well. I've got, I've got a lot of time for that overall.
0: So, heavy metal was the fastest growing genre in 2018, according to digital music distributor TuneCore. Uh, I mean, so I was just going to go into a little bit of detail here. Um... TuneCore covers some 250,000 artists and the total amount of streams and downloads in 2019 counts $199.3 billion, a 93% 93 increase from the year before. Wow. Um, And when it comes to music genres, metal is leading the way, showing a growth of 154% around the world with J-pop following with a 133% increase. And we're not going to go any further into J-pop there. It fucking sucks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it's great to know that the of it. you didn't need to tell me. Boy, through this, that heavy metal is growing. Me and you can tell heavy metal is growing because of just the perception that we see. Because we pay so much attention to the industry, uh, how many great bands are bursting through? How many bands are you can see like taking the steps up the ladder, increasing popularity, and uh, gigs are selling out. And it's it, you know we know it's a great place to be, but with with this. By the looks of it, this uh, tune core is uh, massively popular. But have you ever heard of it? Because I hadn't until this, until this piece.
1: No, no, not at all. Um, tune core sounds like a, a weird genre of metal. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's. I'd be curious to see what the stats are on Spotify for heavy metal growth. Or heavy metal popularity. I'm not sure whether TuneCore is like another version of Spotify. Like, cause I literally had never heard of it until till I read this piece. Regardless, again, it's again another one of those news stories, not a lot to say here. Regardless, it's cool to know that on some kind of platform, somewhere, heavy metal's ground by 154% in one year. Yeah, That's phenomenal. So it should, because... There are fucking so many sick bands coming through that we we're not going to list, because, but we talk about a lot of them every fucking. It's, day it's, an incre-
1: it's an incredibly hardworking genre, and it's an incredibly inclusive fan base. Um, that is in, like he's really welcoming. There's there's, I'm, I, I, I'm sure I, I don't know how you feel about this because you've been in, in several sort of like musical and all the sporting communities like football teams and things of that nature, but I've never personally enjoyed a community as welcoming as metal.
0: No, I haven't. I, I, I do one hundred percent agree with that. Now, we, there's still plenty of room for critique on, on the on the uh, community because a lot of the community, as we've discussed so vehemently on this podcast, is stuck in 1995. Yeah. You know? Yes. But by that same token, when you you know they are they are you know a percentage, but there's also a percentage that are entirely like open and welcome for what's to come. I remember at Slam Dunk. 2018, me and you were walking with, with the the two uh, friends we were with and we saw uh, like a 60-year old guy in a cold orange t-shirt yeah. and we were like, that's sick, that's awesome and I actually think I remember correctly, we spoke to him about it we were like, oh man, you're wearing a cold orange t-shirt? It's like, yeah, they're amazing, I think they're fucking, they're like the sickest thing that's happened to metal in like 15 years I was like, that's fucking great that, like a band so new, so different, I've got to say as well, to to what he would have experienced. Because obviously, at the age of like 60, he's, he's seen metal from like, literally the beginning. Imagine
1: the first time he heard Cold Orange, that blew his fucking nostrils out, didn't
0: that? <laughs> yeah, fucking, you know, sounds a bit different to Black Sabbath's debut. But, <laughs> but yeah, man, like, you've got a percentage of people that are like, the greatest in the world, but then you've got another percentage that are like, oh man, this hasn't got blast beating and quicker slay as slayers fucking Raining Blood. So yeah, whatever, you move on with it. But it's great to know that uh metal is, is moving forward, we kind of already knew that. But to see actually represented on a news piece, here's confirmation. Heavy metal's growing around the world. It's a great time to be a heavy metal fan. Completely agree, bro.
1: Completely agreed.
0: So moving on Sam to your album uh, Top One Hundred Greatest Metal Albums of All Time list. Uh we ah, yes. we are now on gonna do eighty eight to eighty five. Okay. Remind remind us of the category that we are in now. Uh
1: this is the start of the um the second big category um it is modern greats but too soon to measure legacy and by that i mean um these are great albums that were released in the last 10 to 15 years um that i think we're still gonna be talking about in 20 to 30 um but are modern greats in their own right now so they're about a decade old and i think they will continue to be so in 20 or 30 years and now they're going to become that 30 or 40 year metal landmark if they continue with the sort of influence that they've had over the last 10 or 15.
0: So drop it on me, bro. Number 88.
1: Parkway drive deep blue.
0: (laughs) Oh, mate, you are starting strong. Holy (laughs) fuck, mate, this album. Tell me about the first time that you heard this album, please. Um,
1: I'd, um, it wasn't the first parkway drive album I'd heard. I'd heard the first parkway drive album I heard was, um, Atlas. Atlas. Yes. And then I went backwards. Um, but I remember, I remember putting this on for the first time, and it's just bludgeoning. Uh, it, it's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly heavy. I remember thinking to myself, "There's gonna be a, there's gonna be a bad song on this album at some point. There's gonna be like a breakdown that I don't like here. There's gonna be a, a riff that I don't enjoy." Like I was just waiting for for that to take place, and it it just did not. Um, just every every song was just relentless, and I was I was listening back a lot. Like, this is like. Every metalcore album I'd listen to at that point, or every deathcore album I'd listen to at that point, there's 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 some flaws I could critique and say, "Oh, I could prefer it here, I could prefer that." This is the perfect metalcore or or deathcore album I have I have ever heard in terms of the way it's constructed, uh, the tone, the the vocal performances uh, from Winston here oh, that, that oh, they, Winston. They, they can't they they can't be matched by any other metal vocalist in any other any other album of this period. It, it's just impossible. Um, and the fact that it, it, it blends the, the 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 sledgehammer breakdowns with, and Parkway Drive did this better than anybody else with uh, melodic guitar lines at the same time. The the juxtaposition of the heavy guitar breakdown with the high pitched um, guitar lines from Jeff. Oh, no mate. no band, no band does it better than Parkway Karma. Oh, a bit, a bit, the bit, the bit, the bit in the <laughs> of Karma where he kicks in with the guitar riff and then it comes over the top and then the bit in deliver me where they do exactly the same thing. There is not another metal band that could do that better. There just is not. There just is not that could do a modern breakdown like that, that features that level of melody as well. That could be that iconic and that simplistic. And yet so, um, so, so, so really uplifting. And I think it is just incredibly, incredibly fantastic. And the, the only reason that, um, that it's not higher on the list is because, you had to do a bit of searching to find Parkway, and they didn't have that. Um, they, don't, they still don't. They do now a little bit because of reverence, but from this album didn't boot the door down in the same way as Avenged City of Evil might have done or Bullets the Poison might have done. It didn't, I understand it didn't, that. It didn't take over the metal community as much as it should have done, because it was still a bit of an underground album. But in terms of just pure quality... I think if we look back in like 20 years time and we're like, what are the best albums of the 2010s, dad? And I'm like, by Drives Deep Blue, Bring Me the Horizon and, and all this sort of stuff. And I'm listing various other albums. And this, this album is 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 on that list and very far up for me. This is one of my personally, it's one of my top 10 favourite metal albums.
0: As echo, well. I echo a lot of your sentiments there. In my opinion, this is my favourite metalcore album of all time. That's fair. For, for the reasons that you've said, or because when I first listened to Parkway Drive, the first time I was ever introduced to them, they were a bit too heavy for what I was into. I remember, yeah. I remember, I, I was working at I was working at game, and I was still uh, I was still on my UMe six all time low. Mayday Parade, yeah, like the DL the yeah, came out of left field, then didn't it, yeah. Jesus? And one of my workmates is like, he knew that I was starting to really like get into like heavier music. And he's like, right. There's this band called Parkway Drive who, at the time, were his favourite band. And he was like, yeah. "Let me play you a few of their songs." And they're they're a bit too much. But then Carry On came on, and Carry On it's it's not on Deep Blue, it's on Horizons. But Carry On is like a song that is incredibly heavy, but it has there is a melodic tone to it, isn't there? Oh,
1: absolutely. Uh, and so
0: I was like, I was like, oh, I, I, you know, this is actually quite good. Then I got like obsessed with Carry On, and then I was like, right, let's li- let's listen to some of the albums. And I fucking mate, I clicked on deep blue and as it was fucking it was too much for me at the time but then when i got through to sleepwalker the final part when it slows down on sleepwalker and winston yeah Street, in the name of progress and that could, dun, 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 yeah as, as he goes let, over the top and i was like this is fucking blowing my mind how good this is and then that was it from that point of being obsessed with carry on and then finding Sleepwalker, that was it. I was in, and I thought, right, I'm just gonna listen to this album, and, and, and I and I know eventually I'm gonna really dig this. And the three song run on this album, holy fucking shit, that goes from what? Um, it goes from Deliver Me into Karma, and then no, it goes Pressures, uh-huh. Karma, Deliver Me. Uh, I mean, is there, is there a better three song punch, really? And then that's that's ended by Homies for the Heartless. It's, oh, it's like, holy shit, man, this is fucking superb, and there's so much of the album that was just so new to me at the time, yet I feel, I felt like I it, like I instantly understood, it was strange, and for me, like, man, if anyone ever beats this metalcore album in terms of like songwriting craft and just just putting the right things in the right places and, and appealing to more more than just... The heavy metal, the metalcore fan that's once his face kicked in. Because yeah. if that, if that's all they appealed to on this album, they may never have got me.
1: Yeah, of course. Because of at, course. That,
0: at that time, that wasn't me. No. I still needed the melody. But this is probably the breakthrough album for me that got me into after this comes me searching out extreme metal bands. Yes. Because it's, it's changed a lot of things for you. Because I realised, oh, actually, you know what? I love the pace of Karma. I love the heaviness of the breakdown on Sleepwalker. I actually think it's amazing, you know what? I could probably handle heavier than this. And then, then comes The Artist Murder and everything that follows on the subsections of that. So yeah, this al- that album for me, holy shit, changes a lot. It's not Great. quite as important as Green Day's American Idiot to me. But in terms of, th- this was my American Idiot in the sense of me finding extreme metal afterwards.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It was a gateway album.
0: Terrific, terrific album. What comes next, mate?
1: Um let's have a look. Next up number eighty seven, Bring Me The Horizon, if
0: there is a Hell. Oh mate. You're fucking you've literally just mentioned two of my favourite albums of all time, <laughs> man. Fucking hell. They, they um, came
1: out they came out the same year. Crazy well, do you think. Um which is which is the reason where they're both paired together I yeah. felt. Um yeah. because of like lasting influence and things like that. And it's it's the same sort of thing. Um well, I think um, I don't think this is as musically proficient as Parkway Drive's album, but it does what Parkway Drives doesn't in the sense that this did win over the metal community yes, um, and this cemented Bring me the Horizon as a landmark metal band in a period where the genre was lacking a landmark metal band, and we were coming we two thousand and ten was a weird time because we just lost um like slipknot had just disappeared after after the download thing they'd gone away for a little bit they wouldn't come back until um after paul Gray had died um bands like event sevenfold were were still taking a, a bit of a, a bit of a bit of a break and they'd also lost the rev the year before uh Kill engage hadn't made the breakthrough that we'd expected trivium had, had taken a monumental step backwards after the crusade in 2007-8 as well um we needed a band.
0: We need. We needed a new set of heroes.
1: Yeah, yeah, we really, really did. Um, and this, this Bring Me the Horizon album is um, their most, their most complete and their most impactful. And is the reason that they made a transition from early, uh, just to Bring Me the Horizon to what they are net, what they were. Well, in the metal community for the next sort of four or five years, where it was, they, were, they were, they were, they were huge. This was, this was the art al- This was the album that people. Were waiting for from bring me the horizon that this is the album that they came out that featured um their best versions of their songwriting ingenuity and their Oli sykes vulnerability mixed in with the the sort of death drop level breakdowns that they'd they'd developed on suicide season stuff but it just wasn't as raw as the previous stuff it was polished it was well thought out it had different lyrical themes it had depth but it didn't go too far as to alienate the metal fan because it can't continue to bring you back to what made them so um, so really, so unique, uh, which was um, the le- the level of frenetic breakdowns mixed in with, with Oli Sykes' voice, who could sway between traditional deathcore screams, although he doesn't do it as much anymore, but he can, he was able to do that, between that weird sing-shouting combination that he yeah. does, that nobody else had done at that point, that have copied that loads of bands have copied him since. We li- we listen to bands like um, Holding Absence uh, and bands in that sort of genre, and they're, they're bands that they're the bands that grew up with There Is a Hell, like we did. Like There Is a Hell came out with me and you were seventeen years old, and th- this is this mean. is <laughs> yes, um, and th- this this sort of. Created a new genre in between deathcore and traditional metal, and like not pop punk, but like heavy rock and like emotive rock and all this sort of stuff. That that it was like bring me the rise and bridge the gap between those people that really liked breakdowns, but thought it thought you were a pussy if you liked um, Thirty Seconds to Mars. Basically, me. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean though because you can listen to 30 seconds of Mars and it's really like emotive and powerful but you start thinking to yourself am I a metal fan is this a metal fan yeah song?
0: yeah it, well it's
1: just bridging the gap I feel weird listening to this uh, if you're an insecure metal fan like I was in 17 um, this is where this is where Bring the Rise suited that because you know it was still rooted in de- in like deathcore but also had this extra element to it that was really really accessible and um, yeah this this just has to be up there and whatever direction that bring me their eyes and going for the next 10 to 15 years. And I think they're, they're they're set for another three or four really wacky albums. And then they're going to, then they're going to release like the weirdest documentary of all time. And then Ollie Sykes is going to write a book that I'm going to buy. Um, and then they're all going to do like a podcast and a reunion tour. Like, I feel like it's that sort of, we're headed in that sort of direction with bring me where they have, we've got some weirdness up ahead with that band. Um, I think I'll still be able to look back and be like, they, they, they really captured, the mood and culture of a metal community and put their faces on 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 the front of it almost overnight with this band with this album and i think at the time people forget the bring their eyes and they were household name but prior to this album coming out they were derided constantly this changed that and that was that was a monumental achievement they could have released master of puppets and a lot of people have still been like yeah but he's still pussies though like that 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 could have done that. Um but this album was the the album that they need to produce and I think it is just absolutely fantastic. I do think we're gonna be talking about it in ten or fifteen years as well.
0: I've said it countless times, we've only done ten episodes of this podcast, but I somehow find a way to bring it into conversation <laughs> on a lot of the episodes. Yeah. This is their best album in my opinion this is the album that changes everything for them. Uh, this was years ahead of its time. Everyone all of a sudden started to put synths into their metal songs after this album comes out. Uh, there's a choir yeah. on this album. Ollie is the best he's ever sounded. Uh, the opening the
1: best lyrics he's ever written as well.
0: Yeah, 100% the best lyrics he's ever written. Uh, the opening song in this album, Crucify Me, is a soft, synthetic drop. And then Oli comes in with... The, oh my, he screams, close up our world. It is the fucking nastiest he's ever sounded. And yet, like, it's also like he's also really high-pitched while he does it. it it's fucking absurd. Um, so much of this album is just the product of a band that we're like, you know what? We're going to show everyone that we absolutely have got it. Because... Suicide Season's actually a really good album, but people were still like, oh, nah, Bring Me The Horizon Suck, because it was it was still cool to say Bring Me The Horizon Suck in 2008. But with this album, it was quite obvious that if you were still a website that were peddling the Bring The Horizon Suck, Bring Me The Horizon Suck, you just didn't know what you were talking about, and you were just doing it to try and get attention, basically. Because it was just almost impossible for if you really like metal, how could you not like this album? It's got... It's got everything you could possibly want in a metal album and a bunch of left and right hooks thrown in that you wouldn't have seen coming as well. Fucking phenomenal, phenomenal album, this. And it's probably going to end up being the most important album that Bring Me The Horizon will ever release for the simple fact of it forced people to change their opinions that were previously peddling the... This band aren't really metal. They don't represent us. It forced them to be like... Actually, to be fair, this is a 9 out of 10, man. Um... And from this, like, if, if Paternal comes third in uh, Bring Me The Horizon's discography, it's still an absolutely superb album, but a lot less people care. And a lot less people start okay, talking about it. Completely agreed. So completely it's probably agree. going to end up being the most important album that they'll ever release in terms of shooting them into an atmosphere where they actually had a huge voice. And I think we've mentioned it on this podcast before, but the tour that came from this album, Bring Me The Horizon, Parkway Drive Architects, Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> well, I, weren't, like, I, I, I consistently hate myself for not being into metal at that time because what a show that would have been. Fucking hell, give me strength.
1: Completely agree, that <laughs> Although we
0: might never have made it out of that gig, to be fair, mate. holy shit. But yeah, album that I think absolutely stands the test of time and absolutely deserves a uh, place in your list. Uh, what comes next?
1: Disturbed, The
0: Sickness. Interesting. Disturbed, not really a band I ever really... Uh, cottoned on to of course I like down with the sickness mm-hmm. and and stricken you know bangers but in terms of really connecting to them I never really uh, found that so floor's yours
1: of course I think
0: um, I think this is one of um,
1: three or four really impactful albums during the new metal the new metal period that has that has cemented Disturbed's career and cemented their impact on, on the genre and I think it's just I think it's just a tremendous album of the time and you look back and you think of the 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 great successes of the new metal era and you you think of linkin park you think of disturbed you think of live biscuit and you think of corn and they they the, they the, they're the big four and um because of because of debt because of Down with a sickness because of um because of stricken like you mentioned it because of the fear because of loads of songs off this album which is um we really were introduced to david Draymond's style of vocal in which was just Incredible at the time, and, and really sort of came from left field, and um, Disturbed built uh, an incredible, incredible career and an incredibly committed fan base, and this has become an incredibly impactful sound and album that has just not been replicated. We've not really heard a band that sound quite like Disturbed, uh, really ever, um, because of his vocalists, because of their guitar stylings, because of uh, the, the way that they structure their songs, and I think this is just the album that really kicked that off, and. This came out. it's came out in 2000 in the midst of the new metal, Pokemon, and WWF Attitude era period of life, and um, I think it just uh, really encapsulates that period. And the reason that it's here is staying power um, through this, through this, through this album and through some of these, these songs that Disturbed managed to carve out a, 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 a 20-year career that has has not gone away. People still know who Disturbed are. There are still Disturbed fans. And that, that lasting pair and that staying pair over nearly 20 years is what puts this in this modern greats list for me.
0: We are nearing going an hour so far. I knew this would happen it Happens every episode. So... so We haven't even reviewed an album yet. <laughs> we haven't even fucking reviewed an album, yeah. We were going to do some single reviews on this as well. Jesus. It's a good no. job. We're, we're going to do uh, The Artist Murder and the of the next episode. And thank fuck we are, because we've already gone for an hour. Do you want me to race through the last two? Because we're only going to do four, and Disturbed was Disturbed was the third one. But I haven't really got a lot to add to Disturbed anyway, really, because they've never really been a band that captured me anyway. That's all right. So, um, closing off with uh, eighty five, I believe. So yeah, got, Limp right, biscuit, 85. chocolate, starfish, and hot dog flavored water. oh man, bad boy album. Um,
1: um so as, as you've noticed, I'm starting to bunch albums together. Um, because I think that that pl- that plays into my um uh, my, my, my list a little bit in terms of uh length of time that they've had together, the, the sort of cultural impact that they had, and um, that's why they're sort of bunched together within the same category. And the reason that Chocolate Starfish Outlast Disturbed and boom the rise parkway I drive is because the new metal era is still carried weight uh limp biscuits chocolate starfish is an album that you can literally put onto any metal fan um of any of any discernible taste and it's just universal
0: oh mate you're on a bit culturally significant albums tell me someone who did not know the words to rowling in 2001
1: <laughs> yeah now the I've, album came I've... out
0: in 2000 but like boy, 2001 yeah. tell me someone who didn't know the lyrics to rowling
1: yeah, absolutely. I, chorus excluded as well, because it was fairly easy to remember. But um, I, complete, I completely agree. I completely agree. There was a period of time where Fred Durst was, like, the biggest celebrity on the planet. Yes. Like, six months, and people were, like, buying red um, snapbacks all the time. Like, all the time. Like, I can't exaggerate. Like, it was, it was incredible. Especially in America, it was huge. Um, but, as well, like, this, 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 this album was just incredible for 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 what it for what it did during its genre and it became the quintessential um new metal album on, on, on and in, in a in a um in a genre that needed it if we just look at the songs on this oh my um, god mate please Um uh, my generation my way rolling uh take a look around um just off this album alone uh that those are the four biggest limp biscuit songs just period though those are four those are the four of the top 10 new metal songs just just off this alone also that exhibit on get your (laughs) groove on so
0: i would put that out mate the Um, riff on the riff on take a look around by wes Borland. fuck me absolutely incredible absolutely incredible uh full nelson's on
1: here as well which is a bit of a banger like an underrated one too but just limp biscuit became the quintessential new metal They, they perfected the rap rock hybrid and they took over the world for two two years. And still now, Limp Biscuit Rolling gets played at pretty much every rock club around the country every weekend and has been for the last 19 years. And that will not change. Uh, it, and in 30 years, they'll have seen it in the same way that we see, like, classic ACDC songs, because it's just over time. And it, it's just become immortal. It really has. not. People don't cringe anymore as well. When it's like, oh, Limp Biscuit, Like, it, it's they're like vintage rock almost now. And... I think that's uh, I think that's superb. He deserves to be here,
0: man. If you ask, if you said to me name your top twenty five albums of all time, this album would be in there. Yeah, um, it's so catchy b- because, mate, Limp Bizkit holds such an affinity with me because of the link with pro wrestling. Absolutely. In the early two thousands, mate, Limp Bizkit were like the poster boy for like um, doing theme songs for events. Obviously, my way. Uh, I mean that. that, that that promo package with the Rock and Stone Cold with my way on in the background is the greatest wrestling promo package of all time. Yes. Every, everyone, everyone always goes to that promo package. It doesn't matter whether you're a massive pro wrestling fan, whether you're a somewhat of a medium pro wrestling fan, or whether pro wrestling is something you used to watch in 2001 and stopped after 2003. Everyone always goes to that one because it's the best one. It's by far the best one. And obviously, that uh Undertaker's theme music was rolling when he was doing the American Bass character. So, yeah, like, uh, Limp Biscuit had a real strong affinity with me, Not, but not just because of that. They're a, they're a, they're a sick band. They're, yeah. they're a really, really good band. And this album, as you've mentioned, I'd be just repeating what you said, but some unbelievable tracks. As, as I said earlier, man, the, the fucking riff on Tiger Look Around is one of the heaviest, fucking most brutal riffs. And it's just, just fucking perfectly done, so... Absolutely back this album being in your list, man. a uh, really good choice. A fucking great, great album. I will back this one massively.
1: Cool. Cool. That's uh that's where we are on that
0: one. Uh, that's the um that's the first hour of our podcast, Pew. Holy shit, <laughs> right, okay, so <laughs> album review time. So we're gonna start off with Danny Warsnop's new album called Shades of Blue. I'm gonna preface this review by asking you a question, Sam. Yes. Um if I would have said to you seven years ago uh, <laughs> that in 2019 yes. we're going to be reviewing a Danny Warsnop uh, solo album that is going to be blues, your reaction soon would have been "Get the fuck out of here."
1: Yeah, abs- absolutely. I would have been. Um, I don't know what would have been more believable. Um, me and you, me and you, getting given music or Danny Warsnop <laughs> being in a being in a blues band. Um, um-
0: I want to preface this with something else as well. Two years ago, Danny Wozniak...
1: Scream out hybrid.
0: (laughs) Danny Wozniak, two years ago, released a country album, which me and you did not like. No, we did not. And I I was like, man, this, this ain't... I I, I just didn't like it. I I felt like... It was bad. It it was bad. I felt like it was gimmicky. I felt like the lyrics were like... I mean, you can have fun. You should have fun with lyrics in, in music, of course. You should, because at the end of the day... Um, but it has music, to be music, is, music is art, isn't it? So yes. you know, art it has can be perceived however you want it to be perceived. But yeah, but this the was the li- equivalent of like when a six-year-old
1: puts their hand on
0: paint. <laughs> yeah, the, li- the lyrics on the album were pretty bad. There was a song called Don't I Have a Drink," it and I, it, it bothers me to this day. Actually, uh,
1: <laughs> haunts me.
0: Yeah, I just because I, I respect Danny so much. As a vocalist, holy shit, he's like one of the most unique vocalists of our in our world oh, of of, great of, great the, great of the modern era. He's yeah. superb. So when when we were reviewing this country album, I was thinking, oh man, you know, um, something completely new. He'd left asking Ask Alexandria. There was quite a lot of tension between him and Ben at that time. So I was like, man, here's your chance to go and show why you left and and maybe create a whole new career for yourself, which he didn't. And me and you didn't like it. He ended up being back in asking Alexandria. They released that record at the end of 2017. Did you ever check it out? The self-titled one. Little bits of it, yeah, but yeah. it was alright. It was okay. Yeah, I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was a fine comeback, but I thought it's it's they the, the, band the lead seemed... single was
1: decent. Everything else after that
0: seemed a bit. The band seemed so desperate to put to put something else out after the black because I remember we didn't like the black and that was when Dennis uh, Soft was the vocalist and yeah, I and I feel uh, like the band kind of knew that not a lot of people liked it. So uh, my original thought was they put something out quite soon after the black because they want people to be like, yeah, forget about that, that's it's done. We're in, we're on this now. Uh, we're we're back to where we were. And then so when I heard about Danny's doing still doing solo and this time it's going to be blues. This time, my eyebrow was really raised. I was like, oh, man, what is this going to be? But I've got to say, dude, I really like this.
1: Yeah, I really is, enjoyed
0: it, This too. is really good. I, I think this is a really, really good album. Now, blues on me, mate, don't ask me to tell you classic blues artists or hey, what well, I got into blues. I'm not into the blues. I'm not in, It's not. I I don't dislike the genre. I, I wouldn't speak negatively about it. But you do not have the blues. The blues I, 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 <laughs> it's not, not it's not something that I've ever found a, a link with. But I tell you what, mate, I'm well into this. I think this is fucking great. It's really good. Um, now because Danny's got such a good voice, to as long as long as he got down the the lyrical aspect and, and didn't get to didn't get a bit too crea- too overly creative then I, I, I thought there's a good chance I'm going to enjoy this. And, and, mate, first two songs, I was like, he's got this right. Yeah, I completely, little, completely little agree. Did a, little Did I Know best, best, best Bad Habit, I thought, man, he's got this nailed on. His voice is actually perfectly suited to it. Yeah, um, um, he's, he's found the
1: perfect genre for him, absolutely.
0: And perhaps the best metric to judge how much I enjoy this album is by saying that I'm not into the blues, and yet I actually really enjoy this Um it's it's it does a good job of marrying the concept of being a calm, emotive, and joyous listen in in the space of what 10, 11 songs. It would have been a bit tiring to listen to eleven different versions of Little Did I Know. Do you yeah, know, do you know yeah, I mean? it has
1: it has it has a real variety, which I think is um, which I think is great. I think I I completely agree. I think this is the best version of what this album could have been. Absolutely. He's na- he's nailed this, which also means that I don't think he should repeat it, um, because I don't, I I think this is I think this is perfect, I, re- I really really do. I think um, I think it starts off I agree with you wonderfully. Little did I know, best Bad Hammett and tomorrow. I think he's really good as well. Um, that ballad, like the sort of country-esque sort of ballad, but then he's got a real powerful chorus, and the, the musicianship isn't cheesy. Like it really complements what he's trying to do. It shows off his voice. He's got a clear songwriting um, vision. He's clearly talented, and it is the perfect stick it in your car and drive somewhere and listen to it. Which I think is probably what his intention was. This is what his album. This is what the album should have been when he when he first did his country thing. This is what he should have gone for. <laughs> Um, because Danny Danny Allstock was always he always developed a voice that was starting to be a little bit um, out of sync with what a traditional metal vocalist would require. And just because he was talented enough to pull it off, I understand how he feels that this isn't always the best use of my talents and what I can be and what I can do. Ashton as Landry is just one of the things that I'm involved with. And when he brought out the country album, I listened to it, and I thought, no, it's not go back to metal um this should not be one of the things that you are involved with um you should you should stick to what your strengths are but then i hear this and i'm like okay i get it i understand this would make sense in us as a tour you should take a traveling band um i really enjoy when i hear horns in rock music and blues i think the addition of the the sax and some of the um some of the acoustic guitars and some of the slide guitars and all this sort of thing i thought it was really really good um It sounds like Danny Walsh has been listening to a lot of Bruce Springsteen over the last two years, which I don't hate.
0: (laughs) God, I didn't imagine you'd hate that.
1: um, But it's got that sort of vibe to it. Um, The sort of like Americana, um, big chorus, uh, open-themed sort of stuff um, with a really complimentary style of musicianship. And it shows off his voice, and his voice is phenomenal. And this is a really, really, really enjoyable album that doesn't outstay its welcome. I think it's a bit top heavy. And about you, I think I think it. I think the first five or six songs are, the, are clearly the best on the album. I think it comes back here and there, um, like heaven. Um, Heaven's, Heaven's not too far down. I think it's a really good song. But in between that, there's a few others that where, where it's a bit weaker. But I think the first four or five songs, five or six songs of this, I think are absolutely superb.
0: I really um, like at the time as well the, uh, the, the, it's the song it's the one before the last song on the album I think at yeah, the time it's yeah
1: really I, a I think there's some re- 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 real depth here and I think it's a really good album and I didn't expect to like it and I really really did
0: yeah and that's the that's probably the best thing I can say about this album I went in thinking I pressed play thinking do your worst and it turns out you know. He he's done a phenomenal. I think he's done an excellent job here because when he's n- he's now the, uh, the the main creative voice in that room recording this album, and I don't suppose there's really anyone that can turn him off of an idea. Obviously, there's people that can be like, oh, "I want you to think about this," but if this is obviously his vision, and I think I think it's come to fruition. I think at the right time as well. I think at the right time because. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If, if this is his first, if this was his first solo album, he might not be back in Ask Alexandria, because I think this is going to end up being a lot more successful for him than than, than Long Way Home, which was his country album. I'm going to recommend this album to my sisters. Yeah, because I think anyone could enjoy. It. I'm going to recommend this album to my mom, because I think anyone could enjoy this. It's I agree. Got it's got his voice, which, for a start, it's already going in the right direction there. Danny is a fantastic vocalist. Agreed. And it's got a good amount of bounce and creativity to it that doesn't make it boring. It's got a different different types of elements in terms of the emotion of tomorrow and at the time and heaven is a long way down. To make it a different listen, as I mentioned, 11 versions of Little Did I Know would have been tiresome. This album mm-hmm. isn't tiresome. He does a fantastic job of keeping everything centralised, Everything, you know, everything makes sense. There's nothing gimmicky or cringy on this album. Like Don't Have a Drinky. There's nothing like that on this album. This is like a serious blues album. And I agree with you that I think this should be a one and done for him. Because it hits with enough potency that this album is going to make a positive impact. now. but two or three albums of this... I can't I can't see him recreating because it feels like a bit like a one and done this.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I I, I you can move agree. on to something
0: else like jazz or something next, I guess. Um <laughs> But but yeah, I really, I really enjoy this album much, much more than I thought I was going to. And this is a a real good step for him and this eye opens up. New doors that were not there six months ago. I do hope he stays in Asking Alexandria because that band is wholeheartedly better with him in it. But you know yes. what, man? Um, if he decided, actually, I'm going to knock this on the head. I'm going to go solo again. You'd understand after doing this album. It's, yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And if
1: these are the songs that I mean, like th- these are so- these are the songs he's written during a period of time, and he's not like, the, the, these could these songs could not be turned into a metal song. No. So, like, you know what I mean? It's not like he's taken songs away from Ask and *Alexandria*. Like, they should be doing like deathcore verses of *Little Did I Know*. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but like, so he's written these songs and he's done the right thing by turning them into what they deserve to be. And then when he's when he finds a place where he can write metal songs again, or he's working with those people, then that's what he'll do. I'd rather him do that than force it. Um, so I'm I'm happy that he's he's doing he's doing the right thing by his talent and what he wants to produce. And this time it has worked. An absolute treat. And I'm delighted for it because he seems a nice guy. Yeah. Um, so that's about it as far as I can I can I can say. I think I think it's a really pleasant surprise.
0: Absolutely. Let's score this man. I am gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go seven point five.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. I think. Um, I think seven. I think seven. Uh, seven sits well with me. I think. I think a lot of this is like oh, this is really great because we didn't expect it to be great. Um, I think, I still think it's got a way to go. It's not going to be like a landmark blues release um, or it doesn't match up as as well with some of the other guys that he's now competing with, with this sort of music. Um, But I think it's a really, really, really solid album. And I I just, it was an enjoyable listen. It was a really enjoyable listen. And for that, I'm going to give it a seven.
0: So moving on, uh, Employed to Serve, Eternal forward motion. Oh man, uh, this band. I have. I found this band at the right time originally uh, when they came out. Um, I was working for a working for an online publication called Mos, Mosh at the time, and uh, the the album The Warmth of a Dying Sun was just about to come out. And someone said to me, "Yeah, we're giving you this this week. Uh, this is what you're reviewing." I was like, "Cool, uh, listen to it." And it was the it was the album that made me go out and search for bands like Cold Orange and then eventually end up liking Conjurer because the the, the fury and the frenetic pace of it all just fucking, oh, absolutely. just fucking blew my mind. I was like, holy shit, this is like the, the quickest, heaviest thing I've ever seen. How are they doing this? How are they not absolutely fucking knackered after doing this for two minutes? This is a, a, a branch of heavy that I've never heard. This isn't deathcore or metalcore. This is like... Um, math core hardcore uh, mixed together I, I, I don't understand this yeah it's the a, time... phenom-
1: it's a f- they're, they're, they're phenomenally varied
0: yeah the, the time patterns are all over the shop how are they doing this this is amazing I've never heard anything like this before and I immediately cottoned on I love the album, The Warmth of Dinosaur. It was in my top albums of 2018 list. I yep. thought it was fucking sensational. It was Kerrang's album of the year. It was Kerrang's album of the year. Oh, no, it came out in 2017, sorry. But, yeah, it was Kerrang's album of the year. Uh, very much deservedly so. Uh, I started really championing them to you because we weren't doing the podcast at that time. I was No, like, no, you were sort this... of
1: popping them on when we came round and all that so sort of stuff. Mate, yeah. listen
0: to this song by this band. You were like, oh, this is, like, crazy, this is. And then you know, they, they played a show at the Slay rooms. I was like, mate, we should, like, let's go because... Uh, you know they'd be fucking sick, hard. Yeah, we and saw over. them. Yeah, um, I saw them support Stick to Your Guns and Counterparts. They opened the show. They were fucking phenomenal. I said to you that when I was when we walked when they came on the stage, um, obviously a lot of the crowd weren't familiar. By the end, everyone was banging their head. The queue to speak to them as the show finished was from was from their merch table to the door, and I was yep. like. Uh, I said to you at the time, I was like, this band, they really, really enjoy being the opener because they like people turning up saying, let's check out the opener, see what they're like. And within five minutes, they know the crowd are thinking, these are sick.
1: These yes, are absolutely. are really, really
0: good. I, I think they find a lot of joy in being able to turn up, surprise people, punch them in the face for half an hour. That was us. See you later. And we'll speak to you at the merch desk if you're interested.
1: <laughs> we'll punch you again. Yeah, we'll punch you
0: again. So, when, when I was like, oh, there's a new album coming out, Internal Forward March, I was like, interesting now, because this is going to be the third album. And are they going to stick to the math core, hardcore stuff and just, you know, blow my face off with j- just just pace for an hour? Or gonna, they didn't gonna do tr- that. N- they're trying to do something else. They didn't do that. And I've got to say, I think that's the best decision they could have made. Uh, this is not a repeat of the warmth of a dying sun. No. I I think this is better. I I am fucking in love with this band, that just because they took they took a they took um a, you know their foot slightly off the pedal in terms of the pace you would think that as a result I'd be on this podcast now saying um a little bit of a less heavy album absolutely not no no of course no 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 it really this, isn't this is just as heavy all in different areas and what they've done which I fucking love is. Whereas The Warmth of a Dying Sun was a blast of three minutes of and, yep. like, and and blast beats and speedy riffs and Justine Jones sounding like a throat is about to implode. What they've done instead here is uh, put segments in the music where me and you could talk about how about that riff on that song or yes. that drum fill on that song because on Beneath It All, which is the second song on the album? There's a legitimate groove in the chorus. Yeah, I have man. never done. I have never heard them do that. Whether they, I've never listened to the first album. So whether whether that kind of stuff's on there, I don't know. But there's no groove on the of the dying sun because it's literally there's,
1: there's just one. There's one groove, one tempo. Yeah. One, one riff it sounds like they're literally,
0: they're literally just chainsawing your chest apart on the yeah. warmth of a dying son but on this beneath, oh there's a, legitimate, there's a legitimate groove, on the title track there's melody in the riffs in the chorus, Yes, this is fucking excellent, I'm in love with this um, on dull egg behind my eyes they literally just pause while Justine at the end, end of the song screams down and it is it, it sounds like literally she's Cutting a skin while she's she's saying like there's probably like derelict scream yeah. of of like this the word down. I I, I love this. I think this is uh, fucking great. And I think the best song on the album is Force Fed. Um, yeah. because in that a sense, a bit of stick to your guns, a little tinge of Pantera, a little bit of straight up metal, and then just straight up fucking sick of it all hardcore. I, I, I'm I'm fucking so into this album. I was always going to be, you know, it was going to be very difficult for Employee to Serve to do something that I didn't fucking adore because I, th- I think they're fucking incredible. Uh, and they're like a local underground band that it's, it's just fucking sick. They're, they're really down to earth and they, they, they know how to fucking write hardcore. It's difficult for me to say what kind of genre this is. I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm doing them a disservice by calling it hardcore because there is quite a bit of on play here. I'll just call it hardcore just for time and ease sake. But... Fucking great album, this, and, and I'm I'm proper in love with it. Um, passing over to you, yes. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether you ever like really listened to the warmth of a dying sun in full because the 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 the, the, the Pacy Mathcore thing. I've never really heard you say that you're into with me. So this would probably, I assume, would be your first ever experience. Yeah, it's the, third, an it's the first I've
1: taken in in, in sort of detail with mate, to Serve. mate, chat to me. Um, I really I really enjoyed it for a start, and I think. Um, from hearing them um, between um, when I heard the first one, "Warmth of a Dying Sun," when we first discovered them, that couple of years ago. Um, I was less surprised than hearing the Danny Wolfsnap album <laughs> to hear it sounding like this. <laughs> I will, I will say, uh, there was there was some subtle differences, but I was like, oh, it's heavy. What a shock! Um, but no, I think I think you're absolutely right um, in the sense that what they built with their previous album was their ability to be as heavy as possible, and you find that bands do this a lot. Where they try and establish themselves, almost try and like gain your respect first. Whereas bands are like, look how heavy we are, look how fast we are, look how technical we are, look, we can do this, 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 this and this, and this. We're a legitimate metal band taker, seriously. Like, that's their first couple of albums, right? Which want to be like taken seriously by the metal fan base, that sort of shit. But then after that, once they've established that, they're like, good bands, or in my opinion, brave bands or ambitious bands, like to then go, ah, yes, but then we can also do this. And this is what employed to serve have done here, and I agree. I agree with you that, that I think that it's if they'd have spent the entire album flipping it over entirely and would have just gone with the slow bludgeoning, occasional melodic stuff, I'd have been like, all right, but that's not what I want. That's not what I came here for. I would. I wanted a blend. I like the mix. And. I wanted that listening to, to sort of employed to serve. And that was one of the reasons why I don't like it when bands take a complete 180 shift without giving any deference to their previous albums. Like King Ten did this. And I was like, did you forget what made you popular? Did you think what made you King 810? I'm not here for the poetry. And it's the same thing with employed to serve. I think they've, they've got a healthy blend here of what made them great previously, what they can continue to make them great in the future. Um, I agree that, employed serve have a chance to be a real trailblazer for a type of music that does not have many leaders and i love that it that, that they are female fronted i love that they are brave i love that they are opening every band they can and i love that they are starting to build a portfolio where they are pretty much universally adored by critics everywhere in most in most metal circles ourselves included um i think that it that it's chaotic at times and the, the 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 guitar riffs are just beautifully dark and the vocals are typically like sort of hefty and angry and visceral but it, it's combined with an element of of sadness an element of melancholy an element of like real issues and like personal matters and stuff like that and i think as a result that's a, it's an incredibly incredibly brave record um I just, I've just, I enjoyed it from an ambitious segment. So I enjoyed it from a progressional standpoint. And I, I think it's just a really, um, it's just a big success for this album. And I'm really, really impressed by it.
0: Absolutely, man. Like they established their fan base on being the, the quickest riff in the room, right? Yeah. Um, so it would have been real easy for them to just be like, well, we'll be the quickest riff in the room again. And I would have still have liked it, <laughs> but... Fastest good in the West. <laughs> but for them... To take this step and to slow it down a little bit, I, I just think it, it's it's ambitious, it's intelligent, but more than anything else, it's fucking well written. It, it, and that's that's the thing, more than anything else, they're great songwriters. Yeah. They have a, being... a real
1: awareness of the overall song, don't they? Whereas sometimes that you find it with some, some metal songs and some metal bands where it's like, oh, we need a breakdown, oh, we need this riff, oh, we need to do this. And it just feels like lots of little bits stuck together
0: you know absolutely and justine jones is a fantastic vocalist she carries the, the vocal mantle on this album f- phenomenally well she has such a depth of heavy range and I, that sounds like a, re- a weird phrase but
1: i know what you mean she can she can scream in different
0: ways can't yeah, she she
1: she, blows she does guttural she can crazy. do high pitch visceral it's aggressive um the best metal vo- best metal female vocalist I've ever heard. I think, oh, man, yeah. I mean, I... her, and the her in the last from Venom Prison would have a, would oh, have Marissa. a fight. It would be yeah. Uh, would have like um, you know, if the WWE could hire those two, I think that would be like um, better than Ronda Rousey, Becky <laughs> Becky Lynch. If you just went on their, on their vocal aggression alone, like yeah. that would just it would just it just be a- a- amazing. That um, would be just, a murder. Question. There would be there would be a death, um, but but yeah. I just think I, th- I think she's superb, and she's scary, man. Like
0: she's yeah, Do you know what? mate? I was just about I was just about to go on to this point. Like, there's an atmosphere in this album that it, it's legitimately haunting. Yeah, <laughs> like, really unpleasant at times. Yeah, mate. Like even. The final song, "Bare Bones on, on a Blue Sky," which does dial it down just a little bit, man. It's it's like fucking harrowing, man. Like I, yeah. I can relate this to like the first time I ever listened to Slipknot. Being like, I was gonna say that. Man, this is like, like scissors. This is like unnerving. This is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they've got they've got such a a depth of talent in that band, and you know these guys, man. They're like. <laughs> They're underground, like these guys aren't making, you know, $100,000 a year, do you know what I mean? These are raw, as raw and as relatable as you could look to find in a band, and that comes over so heavily in, in the yeah, music. Yeah. But one of the, one, of the, one of the sickest things about this is that The want of a Dying Son was so raw in terms of the production. That was that was one of the coolest things about it. It did literally sound like you were in the garage with them while they were recording this. This actually is much more refined, and yet still has that kind of uh, relatability in the in a sense that I can tell this wasn't recorded at Abbey Road or, or in like a multi yeah. million pound studio in fucking in L. A. This is a tight worked hardcore album that's got all the nuances that you could hope to find and more. And more, and more than anything else, it's a fucking brutal gut punch for like fifth like thirty-five to forty-five minutes.
1: Completely Re- agreed. It's 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 a really it's an al- it's a, it's a fantastic album, isn't it? Really.
0: Th- this will be in my album of the year discussion. I've got absolutely no doubt. It, it, it's a really, really fantastic victory for Employee to Serve. This is. It would have been easy to repeat what they've done. They've made the difficult choice of going for something a little bit different, just as heavy, but. They've they've got a real chorus. It's the first time I can say they've got a real chorus. You know I mean? they've got a real chorus on Force Fed. They've got a real chorus on Eternal Forward Motion. And yes, it works. It works, It works. It's it, 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 mate, it works. It's, a, it's. I think it's like the best. I think it's the best thing they've done. Like Eternal it doesn't Forward feel motion. forced. It doesn't. It doesn't it feel
1: cringy. It doesn't feel nah. poppy. It doesn't feel like oh they're going for the radio because what fucking radio show is gonna. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like they they are not going for Radio One, so like I I it, it but it it just feels like progression. That's what it feels like. It feels like you know, it sounds cringy, but it, it is eternal forward motion. It feels like they have stepped step forward.
0: I am and I know I am biased sometimes to bands that I already really like. Yeah, I've so both so, far, both so, so so maybe I am a bit more overly enthusiastic about this album than most because I I think the band are amazing. I think they're. There's such a fantastic staple in terms. of... If you're an underground band, that yeah, you, you know, and you're trying to be heavy and make and make a mark, just watch what they've done. Just follow what they've done. I'm not saying copy their music, but in terms of their aura, their atmosphere, they play everywhere and anywhere. You know, when we saw them at the Slade Rooms, it wasn't full. There was like I want to say like huh? twenty. It's like twenty five people there, maybe. All
1: of them in look cle- like they committed GBH in this <laughs> time.
0: Yeah, like. But, but you know what? They loved it. They played. They like, thanks for coming. It's good. We've never played Wolverhampton before. This was wicked. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, and fucking, it was a great show as well. I remember we left and was like, that was fucking sick, to be fair. And the, the lad that we were with was like, yeah, I'm going to go check them out properly now. I'm going to proper diving. Because it was like, that was sick as fuck. They were so heavy, etc. Yeah, et wow. So, yeah, I think they're a brilliant staple. They're, they're like kings of the underground hardcore for me. Um, and I I, I, I make it like an, a real mission of mine to wherever, whenever they're local, to just go and see them because they've got an aura that I really like, and they are the underground hardcore band that I want to succeed the most. And one thing I am interested in. And I, I am working on, on getting an interview with them to come on the show uh, with their PR. But I'll be interested in what they would g- garner as success. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, what the, because, the end game is. Because I, I, I said that I've noticed, and I, and I genuinely believe they want to be the first band on. They want to be like, yeah, you don't know us. You're about to. And you're, you're going to leave this gig, and you're going to go and get yeah. us on your Spotify. But at some point, that around. does have to change, doesn't it? It does. It, you know, if these are looking for we oh, want to we'll be underdog forever yeah if these are looking for we don't want to be the underdog uh, for the for our whole career then then at some point that does have to change but I would be curious to see where they where they fit that in in their planning uh, or, or if that's even in the conversation but in the here and now I'm in love with this album i think it's absolutely fantastic uh, this will be my album of the year discussion i will have to really uh, give some thought Um, for the time being I will say 8.5 I think this is a fucking really terrific hardcore album if you are into hardcore and you have not heard employed to serve yet please this album is uh, a real real special find Sam I'm
1: gonna give it an eight mate it's just a really fucking good album and I, I agree I agree with you I thoroughly enjoyed it and like 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 you said if you like breakdowns check it out if you like heaviness check it out if you like fucking screams check it out if you like like thrashy bits of melodic stuff like what would you want like this is if you're a self-respecting hardcore metal fan, then then might make this one of the lessons even just a deference for how hard they've clearly worked to put this together It's really great
0: dude, we nearly went for an hour and a half. Good Lord <laughs> Fucking no. hell. Jesus yeah. Christ <laughs> we said it was going to be a shorter one man we need, <laughs> so we, we need to have reins on me and you man someone needs to literally start pulling us back. Like a podcast producer. Yeah, if anyone wants to do that, we won't pay you, but you can Sam no, you, you can sit there in the room and tap your watch at Chris. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, what you can so do. That has been it for this episode of the Noise Podcast. Uh, we're gonna be back in a couple of weeks. I haven't actually decided yet what we're gonna be reviewing. Isn't that exciting? I can't even tell you what we're gonna be looking at, Sam. Mate,
1: I'm I'm I'm, I'm thrilled as ever. I can't wait for the next like blues jazz hybrid album <laughs> crossed with like <laughs> a Turkish death chord that you're probably gonna put me through.
0: So, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, don't forget to pick up your merch from noise.bigcartel.com. Check out any news, reviews, and interviews that you're looking for at noise.card.uk. Uh, we love you very much. We'll be back in two weeks. Bye.